Hello and welcome to Switzer Investing. I'm Peter Switzer and tonight we ponder, are tech stocks a buy or a sell right now? Now in the Switzer Report this week, I look at the views of Kathy Wood, who is the fund manager of the biggest tech fund in the world called ARK Innovation Fund. Now it's an ETF. When it's gone from something like $54 early this year, uh, well, sorry, over the past 12 months, to $150 and it's gone down to $109 a year. Now, I've put together three tech stocks and including her fund, and you can see they've pretty well done the same thing. Peaked out around January and then they all started falling away. Um, uh, Afterpay's down 40%, uh, Tesla's down about 20%, Kathy's fund's down about 20 or 30%, and they're basically showing you there's been a rotation out of tech stocks into value stocks. Now, eventually, I think the value stocks will have their run, and fund managers will say, well, where are we going to put our money next? And they'll start looking at tech stocks again, and they'll go back to tech stocks. So I just think that there's a, there's a rotation thing going on, which Kathy Wood says is a good thing, because the rotation into other stocks, not just tech stocks, means that the bull market is far more believable. It's broadening, and the bull market then will have more legs. And I, and I say, I think tech stocks will have another run again. And so I'm going to ask Adam Dawes from Sherwood Partners what his view is on the tech stock uh, outlook. Then Julia Lee as well. Paul Rickard's going to talk about tech stock as well as banks. And we'll get together. Uh, and by the way, Charlie Aiken has come back to the, um, the show. Really, it's great to welcome Charlie back. And he's got a more negative view on tech stocks. Worth listening to Charlie's views as well. Charlie comes from... Aiken Investment Management. That's the show ahead. Let's go to Julia Lee for her take on tech stocks. Thanks for joining us, Julia. Great to be here, Pete. Now, I've asked you to look at the stocks that you like and the ones maybe you don't like so much. But before that, I want to talk to you genuinely about tech stocks. I saw a great interview with Kathy Wood from the, the famous ARK Innovation ETF. And she was basically saying that she's kind of uh, happy or comfortable with the, the broadening of the bull market by the rotation out of tech and into you know, value stocks. Because she says, to me, it means that the bull market will last longer. And she's kind of implying that the companies that she's invested in are the companies of tomorrow. And in particular, she likes companies like Zoom and she likes Shopify and all those sort of companies. And she says, this is the, the stuff that young people like you, Julia, like, you know, faster, cheaper, better, digitally disrupting sort of stuff. So what's your take on tech stocks now and in the future? Sure, I think tech stocks will continue to grow. The big question for investors is um, around what's already priced in versus what's going to happen over the next 12 to 24 months. And uh, life, like the market, is very much about timing sometimes. So the tech stock, I think structurally you've got this beautiful trend happening. It's just that COVID-19 has accelerated a lot of those mm. trends and accelerated the price action as well. So now when I'm looking at 12 months and 24 months, I, I ask myself, where am I likely to see the greatest returns? And the answer is that probably a lot of those cyclical stocks have further to grow in the short term um, then some of those uh, those ones that have already run through COVID-19 and seen an acceleration in terms of demand and have priced in a pretty strong growth story already. So it doesn't mean that these companies aren't going to grow. 
It just means that a lot is already priced into the company. And to achieve that next leg of growth, you need to see more positive news coming through for the space, which we aren't really seeing too much of. Um, I guess the strong growth is already priced no, in. That's right. And with companies like Appen and Altium, we, we really need to see some fantastic news coming out of the US with their big customers that business is back to normal and they're still doing a good job. And because the market hasn't been getting it, they've been totally sold off. So in a sense, we have to wait till it happens. If it doesn't happen, the share price won't rebound. You know, I think you come up with a really good point. When we talk about technology stocks, we tend to lump them all in the same basket. But in fact, there are technology stocks that have boomed during COVID-19, so um, have benefited from Zoom as well as the move to online yeah. shopping. Um, and then companies that have been impacted negatively through COVID-19 because they haven't been able to sell their products or their customers aren't spending as much money uh, in terms of marketing. So I guess Appen as well as Altium fall into the basket where the companies have been impacted negatively and you want to start to see those positive impacts come through before the share price action starts to move up. I mean, Altium and Appen are also very different. I'm a lot more positive on Altium than I am on Appen. Appen, um, I guess the, the, the world of data is evolving and I'm not sure if you noticed, but the latest Apple update gave you an option to opt out of sending your data to certain uh, areas and that really means that data harvesting becomes a lot more difficult. I'm not sure about you, Pete, but every time I jump onto Facebook or the internet, it's almost as if it's read my mind on what I need. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess it is that targeting of ads that's coming under pressure and whether Facebook and Google and YouTube are sort of developing their own in-house products, I think that's a big question mark yep. for the market on why we're seeing Appen sold off so severely. Yeah, exactly right. And, and I think... The, the, the really interesting point that you made, and also Kathy Wood made the same point as well. She said, there are people out there who believe that stocks that did really well over the stay-at-home period were just doing well because of that. But just take Zoom. Zoom's going to be with us forever. We even call it, I'll mm -hmm. Zoom you. Now, I know I've always know that when a product becomes basically the name for, for doing something like pass me a Kleenex rather than pass me a tissue. It's all the same kind of thing. This is going to be here forever. It might just might not be quite as massively used, but over time, it's going to be big. Yeah, for me, Pete, this is just a question of growth rates over one year versus 20 years. Yeah. And over 20 years, probably something like Zoom is going to have stronger growth rates and a better share price performance. But the market really is looking at the shorter term at the moment. And this is the whole question of, you know, during a reporting season, a company comes out with a record profit result and profits grown by 100%, and yet you see the share price fall. And that's because the market's probably already priced in 120% profit growth. And when the company only delivers 100%, the share price adjusts downward to that new information. Yeah. So it's, for me, it's a question of what's priced in versus what's being delivered. Not so much is this company growing or is it on a good uh, growth part, because no doubt a lot of those tech companies are. This for me is a question of what's priced in and what is the new information that's going to help propel that company's value up even further. Okay, let's go to the stock you really like right now. 
Uh, I have to admit, uh, I, I like a bit of a different one uh, right now. And this is a stock that I've been in a number of times before, but um, I've been building uh, a bigger position in it, and that's West Farmers. Yep. Um, I've been thinking a lot about the housing boom that we're seeing at the moment and prices becoming ridiculous. And I guess when you want to move, but prices are, are moving uh, too fast, one of the things that you can do is renovate or redecorate. And Bunnings is uh, one of those companies that mm. I guess would uh, benefit from that. And I think that that renovation activity is going to probably go on uh, a lot longer than the, the the current strength in terms of the housing market. And it's not something that we, it's not just something that we're seeing here in Australia. Over in the US, Home Depot is doing very well as well. Now, West Farmers isn't just Bunnings, although that's where it does get the majority of its earnings from. It also gets some of its earnings from Kmart um, or the rebranded Target stores. And I think that's pretty exciting as well. They're making a lot of investment in terms of technology, and that I think is really going to pay dividends for them in terms of that move to online shopping. And they haven't really harvested the full benefit of technology and data. So I think some extra value there in terms of its apparel and toys in the area of Kmart over the next few years as well. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned West Farmers because when, when I thought about what Kathy Wood said, I looked at a company like JB Hi-Fi, which killed them during the stay-at-home period, but they, they've really improved their online offering. So they've been sold off now, but I reckon they will do well over the next couple of years from what they learnt and the businesses or the relationships they created with customers during that online period when we stay-at-home. Absolutely. I guess when I have a look at West Farmers and what I think are the drivers of further rises in share price, I think that renovation activity is going to be a lot stronger for longer here in Australia. So the market's underestimating that. And the other part of the pie is the technology part, which I think will really change the nature of sales and also the cost part of their Kmart business, which I think will be a driver over the next two to three years. Okay. Now, the stock that you've recently dumped or reduced your holding? Well, I really, I really like Aristocrat Leisure, um, but uh, at about $38, it's starting to look like um, a stock that um, I'm pretty happy to start taking profits in over here. So I have started to slowly reduce my holdings in Aristocrat Leisure. For me, the question is around the next leg up. We've already seen some pretty good numbers coming out of the US casinos with business returning back to normal. And I guess the question mark is, well, what's the next phase? They are due to give an update soon. So I'm just reducing slightly ahead of that update, given the strength that we've seen in terms of, of the price. So just a bit more of a rotation towards some of those commodity-based stocks, which are doing extremely well. And um, the bank's also doing extremely well. Okay, one last one. Is there a tech stock you still hold in your uh, portfolio? <laughs> the only one I hold is uh, Megaport. Um, I guess, Pete, you know that I, I like to see the outlook and the share price moving in the right direction. Uh, Megaport's actually the smallest holding that I hold. Um, it's held up fairly well. I'm pretty happy to pick it up around those $13 levels. I think it's about $13.50 today. So I think around about $13 is a pretty good price to be picking up this business. Yeah, that's good. I, I bought Megaport after I interviewed uh, Bevan Slattery and it's been, been good, for, good to me so far. Thanks for joining us, Julia. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Pete. This episode was brought to you by WCM Investment Management, a California-based global equities manager with an outstanding long-term track record. This chart shows the significant outperformance of WCM's quality global growth strategy over the past one year, 
three years, five years, ten years and since its inception. Investors can access the strategy via the ASX with their choice of an exchange traded managed fund, WCMQ, or a listed investment company, WQG. And that's Julia Lee of Berman Invest, and now I'm catching up with Adam Dawes of Shaw and Partners. Adam, thanks for joining us. Yes, not a problem. It's been a great day today. Yeah, a nice solid day. And it's interesting, not a real lot of tech has probably enjoyed today. I was very happy to see one of my favourites, Tyro, having a nice day. But yeah, yeah but I, I wanted to talk to you about tech stocks generally. We know they've been clobbered lately as the value, the rotation to value stocks is taking mm. the, the, the fascination of the momentum players out there. But I want you to talk, A, generally, do you think tech stocks will come again in the not too distant future? Yeah, look, it's interesting, isn't it? Because the answer is yes. Um, a lot of these stocks are very, very good stocks. One, they've got earnings. Two, that they've got recurring revenue. And look, they've, they, 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 there's a place for them in the market. So I think yes is the answer. However, what we are seeing is the rotation out of these tech stocks and high PE stocks. So high PEs are now getting pulled back. And really what's happening is that the value stocks have moved and now it's all about earnings. And because we've seen the value stocks move higher, now it's all about, you know, what those earnings are going to translate to the to the rest of the, the business. So some of those tech stocks, the good ones, the wax stocks, those ones are going to survive, albeit it might look a little bit different. The landscape might change. But all in all, I think that they will do very well over time. I think, you know, Appen and Altium are very, very good quality stocks that should do well. Again, they got hit today. I think markets will shoot to the upside, but also will shoot to the downside. And I think that's where we're at in the moment. They'll shoot lower. I don't know when the time is right to buy those things. Mm. At the moment, you'd be catching a falling knife if you start investing in them. But I'd be cautious, but they are very good quality businesses. Yeah. So, it, and it's interesting, I was telling some of my colleagues, I was watching an interview with Kathy Wood who, uh, from ARC uh, Innovation yep. ETF. Now, I think she knows a thing or two about tech stocks, uh, has made a lot of money, four people yep. have invested with her. And, and she was making the point that it, with her fund, they, they really are looking at a, at a five year uh, timeline. Okay. She can't help it if the market actually went from, her fund went from $54 to $150 in the space of nine, or nine months, and now it's $109. But the yeah. point she made, and I'd like to share this with you, is that she said, a lot of the stocks in my fund are new age stocks, and they reflect what the new age is all about. Yeah. Faster, cheaper, better more dis, you know, disruptive, all that disruptive. sort of stuff. And so yeah. when she says, when she looks at companies like Tesla and Zoom and Shopify and all that sort of, she says, these are companies of the future. And I yeah. think you're right with companies like Appen. Appen is in basically artificial intelligence. Yep. You know, Altium is in the, 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 the board's inside computers. These, these are, so they're in the right space, just not the right time. Yeah, and look, I mean, Appen did come out the other day and talk about how 80% of their revenue comes from four of their largest clients. So Google, Microsoft, you know, Facebook, those kinds of things. And they did say that a lot of that grunt work would or could be done now internally. Mm. So I think 
you know, you need to, they can't trade on these high PEs forever and it has to have some kind of pullback. And I think that's where we are at the moment. These businesses will be around in the next five, 10 or so years. You just need to have some patience and it's a great opportunity to be picking these up at potential discounted prices for the longer term. Yeah, okay. So they're, they're two that you like. Yeah. Let's go to the two you don't like and you're, you're recommending <laughs> your clients dump. <laughs> I might get into well, I'm not going to get into trouble for this for your. No, you tell the truth. You tell them the truth, mate. We do, we do. You I mean, never get into look, trouble. Tell them the truth. That's right. So look, I was at the uh, ASX Investor Day uh, in Brisbane on the weekend, chatting, and one of the questions came up of AMP. Gee, I'm and surprised that people be worried about AMP. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't. Pe- I can't believe people still hold AMP. So really, my first sell is AMP. Because I thought most of clients should have been out of this thing a long time ago, but really I can't see any major value inside AMP at the moment. Even with them splitting up the business and trying to do some things for it, I think AMP is a sell. I still don't like it. It's an old world business versus the new world. It's an old world business. So I think that's something that we could definitely put a sell on. And my second stock is AGL. Now this one has certainly continued to fall. But I think there's some issues inside of the boardroom that we are not being allowed or known what's happening. You've got a CEO that comes out and says that we're going to do a transformational business. We are going to uh, get this thing moving and we're going to split it up and do all this kind of stuff. But then a week later, he resigns. CFO resigns. I think there's something going on inside there. And I think you you need a strong leader to take that business and move it forward. And that's where I see there's a bit of a concern there. I think there's more downside on AGL and I was doing some more selling on it today for clients. I think that one I don't like at the moment and it, and it will go lower from here. And, and if AGL and Origin, they have the challenges of people using solar, you've got the government putting pressure on them for, Regulation. for political reasons as well. Yep. It's just like there are too many curveballs with the, the yep. energy companies, despite the fact that their share price looks brilliantly low you know, yeah. Using our old world analysis, there are dead set by, but there's just too many questions that can't be answered. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's tough because at the end of the day, they want to be doing the right things by their customers and the right things by shareholders. But the right thing by the customer is not to raise prices. The right thing to share by shareholders is to raise prices to generate more profit. So I think they're in a, in a bit of a world of pain and it's going to take some time for them to work that through. Okay, question about notice, but you, you're so brilliant, Adam. This is not going to be too hard. What about Newix? What about Newix? <laughs> like, 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 okay, let me be a normal person. Is Newix a bad business? No. No, okay. no it's not. And, and it listed around five bucks and... and all the smarties took it to eleven dollars or something like that, yep. and now it's down what three, three or four bucks now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. It's yeah. it's it's horrible. Yeah, but is this a classic of what Buffett would say when people are fearful? It's time to get greedy. What when there's blood on the streets, you start to buy. Yes. Yeah. Now yeah. I thought that when there's blood that- in the streets, you you buy yourself an ambulance. Yeah, You're going to take that from me, that one. (laughs) I'll do that. I'll do that. Look, I I think at the end of the day, Newix, yes, is a a very, very good business. One of the things that Newix hasn't done well is communicated to the market about what's happening. And that's why we've seen the, the, the share price rally. That's fine. And then, you know, it started to come off. 
but they really didn't say or give pre-warning to the market that there was going to be a downgrade. Mm. And then they came out and then there was a downgrade and obviously the share price. So I think the market's lost confidence, not in the business, but in management. Mm. And I think the management need to be more transparent to what's happening in the business going forward. If they can fix that and get the confidence back into the market, the business should speak for itself and it should go higher. Now, I was on the television talking about New except $5. Once it dipped below $5 saying, I think it's a buy because they hadn't come out and downgraded their second half, right? Mm-hmm. Because I thought, well, if they haven't done it by now, it should be okay. And they should meet prospectus forecasts. Yeah. Lo and behold, a week later, they came out, downgraded again. And so prospectus forecasts are lower. But I think that should be in the price now. But it's confidence in the stock and the market needs that confidence before we can move forward on Newix. And I guess, like, we want to remember that a lot of people watching us are more long-term investors. Yes. The people who have dumping Newix today, maybe at, say, if it was $4 and it's now $3.80. Yeah. And... And if, if the market really takes it in the 350, they then could be buyers at 350 once they've bought whatever they wanted to buy when they sold out at four. Yeah, agree, agree. There's always a good opportunity to buy these things, but what I like to do is I like to see the fall, yeah. but then I like to see the stock trade sideways for a while. Okay, yeah. and that means that there's a base now being put on, yeah. and yeah. potentially that's your signal to start getting in not trying to catch it on the way down because yeah. you, you, it's called catching a falling knife. You're going to get hurt. Mm. But as it starts to move sideways, as it starts to trend, that's potentially the time to look at it. And I don't think we've seen that just yet. I still think we've got a little bit of time for that. So patience, mm. but I think the business is a fantastic business and management will get their, mm. will get everything in order again. So very, very much a, a hospital, hospital style coverage today we had ambulances blood in the streets patients as well it's just endless just <laughs> well what about gambling as well you can put that in there as well we had yeah. some good mergers and acquisitions yeah we should, one last thing on crown um yeah. I, I, look i'm not surprised crown went up it's unusual to see star go up as well it is unusual isn't it well, I think what the market's saying is that they like that they like that merger. Mm. They understand there's synergies in there because Star's already said they can strip out another 200 million worth of costs and synergies once that, if if this thing goes through. Plus, it also takes out a lot of competition from Star mm. Crown, obviously with the new uh, shiny tower just you know on, on the harbour foreshore and everything else like that. It's that would would certainly reduce their so taking some competition out. I think the ACCC might actually like this. Whereas I think Ferb might push back on Blackstone's bid, mm. but it definitely looks like it's in play, and I think there's more to come on this story. And I guess the point I made on Sky News this morning was that if you're going to have a monopoly in uh, gambling, you then can have government regulation being a lot Absolutely. more forceful. Yeah, yeah. They very... can put their finger, yeah. they can put their thumb, their footprint all over this thing, yeah. and because there's not too many players in the field. They can absolutely control this very, very easily. So I think the government and, and the, the regulators will want Star to, yeah. to take this thing over. Imagine the thought of pure and clean gambling. Is there anything <laughs> Who better thought? than that? <laughs> Adam Dawes, Sharon Partners, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Have a great day. Well, joining me now is an Australian fund manager who basically specialises in overseas companies. 
Uh, and one of his big uh, holdings has always been Microsoft. He's always talked about what a great company that is. And if you look at the charts, since 2014 when uh, Bill and uh, Steve Ballmer had very little, or le a lot less influence, boy, hasn't that share price done well? Yeah, look, I mean, it's been a fantastic one for us, Pete. Obviously, it's a wonderful investment. Even the other day when it reported, you know, 19% revenue growth, 29% EBITDA growth, free, free cash everywhere, mm. and just a wonderful business that the world simply can't open for business without. Yeah. You know, business can't, business and business simply can't open for business without yeah. Microsoft products. And I, and I guess we all open up our computers every morning and you're instantly working with either Google or Microsoft. Yeah, exactly. And they've obviously, and got, both. And they've obviously got cloud services as well. And so, mm. look, it's perfect. And that's been really important for them, hasn't it? Because that, that share price of theirs was hopeless for nearly 15 years, wasn't it? Then 2014 or so, yeah, what's your right pronunciation of CEO? Nadella. Okay, that guy. Yeah. Well, since he came on, the company has really turned around. Yeah. But I've got to say this. In 2009, I interviewed Steve Ballmer in Australia at the Regent Hotel in, in Sydney. Uh, big crowd. Uh, and one thing he brought up was this thing called the cloud. He said, mm. this is going to be a game changer. So Bill and Steve had a, a bit to do with some really big innovations that have been good for Microsoft as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Look, I mean, it's a wonderful company. I mean, obviously, web services for Amazon have obviously been a huge cash generative business, the cloud, the cloud business right. for Amazon as well. So they've reinvested in their other business. But look, <laughs> Microsoft and those big tech stocks just reported wonderfully. Mm. The numbers that came out of Microsoft, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, yeah, uh, PayPal even this morning, which just outstanding. Like, Do you buy more, but you know, if more money comes into your fund, and you, you bought Microsoft at good prices, which you've been boasting about for a long time, which you deserve. It takes well, care of itself. Yes, yeah, it takes care of itself. But, the, but what, what do you do when new well, money comes in? I think it's a really, that's a very good question right mm. here right now. Yeah. Because the market is starting to differentiate between free cash generative, wonderful tech businesses with large moats, wonderful you know, management, and a clear runway of sort of double-digit growth, mm. just great businesses. Name them. Away, no, I just did, I think. Away yeah, from Microsoft. concepts. Yeah, you are seeing concepts being derated. There was so much hot air in the market, Pete. Mm. Hot air in buy now, pay later. Hot, hot air in electronic vehicles. Hot air in streaming. Hot air in, um, you know, sort of uh, social, parts of social media as well. Mm. It just goes on and on and on. And I think that you're seeing a great differentiation happening now between those who produce cash, tons of it, mm. and those who don't. Yeah. And you can see that the NASDAQ market itself, the big end of the NASDAQ market, is diverging away from the profitless tech part of the market. Okay. And you're even seeing that in Australia as well. Mm. Yeah. And that, that, peaked, that relationship peaked around February, okay. February this year. Well, but let's to differentiate. You may be being a little bit unfair. It was unusual for you, Charlie. Like, I get it with Twitter. They're not making any money. Yeah. And it's, it's probably like a, a tech company on the way down rather than the way up. But take a company like Afterpay, the valuation might be silly, but this is a, a company into a new sector that's still growing, isn't it? So you, you can tell me well, if you, well, if you no, think no, I'm let's, wrong. Let's, I, th I think you're wrong. I think okay. Afterpay is a reasonably dangerous stock, quite frankly. I think okay. the buy now, pay later sector is wildly overvalued. Mm. Com competition is arriving on a daily basis. If you think about the capital cycle, there is so many new players in this space because mm. they've been attracted by the returns. And the biggest player of them all, the elephant that just entered the room, is PayPal. Mm. 392 million users, you know, and versus Afterpay at you know, about 10. They added a buy now, pay later service to their overall service mm. in October, yeah. which now has 3.3 million customers. They are the lowest cost producer. So they, if you're a retailer, PayPal only charges you 2.5% for their buy now, pay later service. It's mm. called pay for, uh, pay for now, whatever it's called. Yeah. Whereas Afterpay charges 4%. Yeah. I don't believe Afterpay's margins are in any way sustainable. 
I think that the stock is very optimistically priced and I think with PayPal properly entering this space, I think it's time to be very, very cautious on, on Australian buy now, pay later stocks, the whole lot of them. Mm. You know, nothing did better in the pandemic than these businesses. You know, as they had demonstrated strong growth. Yep. And I think it's a time to be very, very careful there, Pete. Yep. You know, we've I done... hope you're wrong, Charlie, because my Zeet stocks have done 45% yeah, in a year. Yeah, but why do you take some profits? <laughs> I mean, yeah. what do you think? They're going to do another 45 yeah. next year? They're no. not. No. You can't just buy stocks on revenue growth, Pete. Yeah. Yeah. They've got to eventually make a profit. Yeah. And we... But what, companies like Amazon in the old days, they did do that. They made a cash flow profit. They yeah. reinvested in their business. They had clear cash flow from okay. their operations. So there was, there was, I worry there about was after profits pay, that created dividends, after but they pay, were reinvesting. Every time Afterpay grows, it needs more capital. Hmm. That's not what Amazon did. They had free cash flow to reinvest themselves yeah. from web services ever. So yeah. I am very, very cautious on the buy now, pay later stocks. Hmm. Uh, stocks. Yeah. I would be, I, we do own PayPal. I think it's a much safer way of playing that whole digitization hmm. of of cash. Hmm. Well, the fact is one thing that's definitely changed since the pandemic, no one's using cash. Yeah. So you want to own the MasterCards and you want to own the PayPal's. And don't get me wrong, there will be someone will be a winner in buy now, pay later. Hmm. But there's not going to be 16 winners as no. the market's pricing now. Yeah. It's simply not going to happen. What about Klarna? Have you heard of your like, like CBA's yeah. got a, a holding? Again, I think they're just, it's just a commoditized product. Hmm. There is going to be, whoever is the lowest cost producer here will win. Hmm. If When you're on Amazon and it, opts, it gives you the option to buy now, pay later, Every single price is the same. It's a commodity. Hmm. Every single one of them is the same. There is no differentiation between, between QuadPay, yeah. Afterpay, Klarna. Yeah, and are they making the most of the money out of the merchants as opposed yeah, to- Yeah, correct, it's all the, taking the- The, 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 um, the customer who doesn't pay up until. Well, there's not many of those at the moment because no. we've had so much help from government and yeah. everything. So that's been a lucky bit of the recession for, yeah. for some of these stocks. I think that they had so much help from government in terms of stimulus and okay. you know, job care protection. But look, I want to make the point there the markets globally, which we look at, are really starting to differentiate between cash flow generative, highly cash flow generative tech stocks mm. and, and unprofitable sort of narrative stocks are getting very quickly derated. You could argue that it all peaked in February, Pete. Yeah. It's interesting, uh, as you were talking, it reminded me of what Kurt Winrich from WCM says that we often look for the picks and shovels out of a boom. And like PayPal is a, is a picks and shovels business in, in a sense. Yeah, and yeah. Everyone uses that kind of thing. You just, it? well, PayPal added 21 million customers in the quarter. Its revenue grew 50% year on year. Hmm. Do you really need to take the risk in a small, unproven buy now, like pay later stock when you can buy the world's biggest payment system? You know, that's growing at a multi, growing at still great multiples and has generates 1.5 hmm. billion in a cash a quarter. Yeah. So I'm, I, I, if, I think it is really a time to be very selective in okay. this, Pete. So, very. So putting your filter over tech stocks, you, you, you mentioned already Microsoft and Amazon. Uh, is there another one? Is Apple is still No, a we sold out of Apple late last year. We mm. thought it was fully priced and we also sold out of Netflix because we thought it was peak streaming. Mm. One of the other things we, reasons we sold out of Netflix was which just turned out to be a good decision. Is that everyone's now got yeah, a streaming Prime, service. Disney, Everyone. Yeah, no. One of the things Binge, I do, Pete, in talking Binge? to you, is that you observe things with your own eyes. Mm. It's like buy now, pay later. There's 16 services. Mm. Streaming, everyone's a streamer. Electronic vehicles, everyone's got one now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like it's not just Tesla. Mm. And competition comes and erodes profitability, erodes margins. No, no, it shrinks. So with, um, you know, stocks like uh, Netflix, which you've sold out of, we just mm. think there's, there's only so much people will spend of their m monthly okay. payroll on streaming. But you've, you've been a big fan of L'Oreal, haven't you? No, we're more Estee Lauder and Estee Lauder. But, there was a, but yeah, two, they've done well. Right? They're two big brands. Two big brands that do very but well. Look at the moat. Yeah. Who's competing really with Estee Lauder yeah, and Louis Vuitton? Who, who's coming in to compete with Estee Lauder? 
No one. Mm. You know, they've got huge moats. Again, another thing WSM refers to, the barrier around your business. Yeah. I would argue that you know, now that they've embraced online, people like Estee Lauder, their barrier is even bigger. Yeah. So they're just great businesses. People still want to look good, feel good, dress well, all that sort of stuff. So I still like those luxury stocks. Okay. So use your, even though you are a foreigner when it comes to investing, oh, I live um, here. To, to, to look through Australian so-called tech stocks, does Zero become like a, because it's a company that actually does real business. Yeah, look, I mean, there's no cash. doubt that I, th I think Zero has a real, real business and it's mm. a world leader in what it does. Mm. Absolutely different to the buy now, pay later stocks mm. in my way of thinking mm. or other other subsectors in Australia. Yeah. I mean, it is worth noting. I mean, you should go back. There's some of the carnage that's going on in some of these subsectors of Australian tech is is real. Yeah, well, Appen yeah. copped it to that. Well, Appen was once $42, now 10 mm. Just remember. But, but uh, some people will be thinking, well, is it the buying opportunity? Well, maybe $42 was ridiculous. Yeah, yes, right. You might look back at Afterpay being 150 and go, that was ridiculous. Okay. Yes, uh, there's, there's no, and I, I know you don't like to be dragged into the, to the local analysis, but you, are, you do no, think about it. but it's relevant at the moment. H&Milk. H Milk was one of the best of breed, well, it is, best of breed companies in its space, and it's currently being clobbered because of, well, a lot of Chinese tourists aren't here. Yeah. But you also feel it feels that like Beijing's playing a bit of a game against A2. Well, is the buying opportunity for the patient investor challenge? That is, yeah, look, that's that's a very good point, Pete, because it is about being a patient investor. You're either an investor or a trader, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. So, investor, you know, am I going to be holding this in three or five years' time and hopefully compounding my money with a business that's growing? Yeah. A2 milk we sold out of you know, somewhat fortuitously around 18 bucks and mm. I haven't bought them back yet mm. only because you know, I'm just not, I'm uncertain of how that business model returns. Mm. When you're reliant on people filling suitcases full of milk powder, it's not really a distribution <laughs> model. There's a really lot of people. I know, I know, but that's not really a distribution model. But look, I think close to where they are now, seven or six dollars, they are actually quite interesting. Yeah. If I did Australian equities, I'd be quite interested in doing the work on them. Yeah. And they do have the potential to be something that potentially could bounce back. Well, on that, the other hand, yeah. if you think about, without me taking over the whole interview, if you think about yeah. all things China that have been derated, A2 milk smashed, TWE that does penfolds mm. cut in half. Mm. You know, it just goes on and on. Would you buy TWE, Charlie, if no, you were in Australia? No, because we own Louis Vuitton, which we think has better brands and alcohol exposure as well, mm. like Moet Hennessy. Mm. No, because I think it's too specific. He's talking his own companies up no, here. No, no, I'm just... Charlie, I'm just oh, so look, I'll tell you, you what, do that. you know, okay. I think the episodes in A2 Milk and um, A2 Milk and, and TWE are probably telling you to be a little bit cautious yeah, in iron ore. Yeah, yeah, in iron ore. A little bit cautious in iron ore. You know, I guess if Vale was getting back yeah, to normal, I, I wouldn't be as worried so much. But like I say, it just, the day Vale's back, China would probably just, say, just, I just think the risk-reward in some Let's go to Rio, beat Beijing could say. Well, it's, it's not like we're at the top of uh, Beijing's list no. at the moment, are we? They kind of I think there's other developments today that weren't perfect. Yeah. Okay. There's but look, I mean, look, don't get me wrong, Pete. Our fund is fully invested. Mm. We still, we've got 22 stocks around so the world. So you're not scared about the no, market? No, 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 no. We, we are fully invested. The reporting season was good for us. We have mm. companies that are growing, just compounding nicely. We're diversified. We're not a one-trick pony. Uh, you know, like we're not all tech. Yeah. Second biggest holdings, second biggest holdings, Berkshire Hathaway. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So, but it's just a time. I only bought it so I could go to the conference last yeah, year and they stopped us from going to the conference last year. If I can leave you with one point. Money. Yeah, one yeah. point. It is time to be selective and disciplined. Yeah. Some of these stocks that went up last year were pretty much hot air. Yeah. And we just need to not think because the share price was once here mm. that it's cheap because it's here. Mm. It, that, that may not be yeah, the right Yeah, I think in the case of Flight Centre, for example, uh, they, they did issue a real lot of shares to keep mm. the capital going in. So therefore, get, expecting to get back to $40 is going to be a very hard um, hard uh, flight to get yeah, to. Yeah, that's true. Now, but there are plenty of opportunities yeah. out there. Right? All right. Now, just give us 
the name of the latest stock that you've added to your portfolio. Because I presume if it's the latest, it must have been perceived as being good value and therefore other people can get on before it gets too high. Come on, name it, name it. <laughs> pressure. Pressure, look at the pressure. Look at no. Look, I think that the stock that we've added, you know, the second biggest holding in the fund, which is a simple well-known stock that I'll add to more if there's any correction in the uh, mm. any correction in the NASDAQ is Alphabet, the parent of Google mm. and YouTube. Now, we're on YouTube today. Mm. It's a great medium for getting through to people. Yeah. It's growing, growing like a weed. Do you want an ad for, for Growing for, like a weed. For Google now. No, but look, yeah. it's a wonderful, wonderful business. Yeah, wonderful is. margins, huge free cash flow, mm. huge barriers to entry. Who can replace Google as a search engine? You can't, right? No. Yeah, business, and it's got great recovery leverage to businesses reopening, mm -hmm. people getting out searching for businesses, restaurants, all that sort of thing. So mm -hmm. I want to keep it large cap at the moment. Like, mm -hmm. you know, and I think if there's, Google just had a, Alphabet just had an excellent result, went up a bit. If they came back in any sort of NASDAQ correction, that is the first okay. stock I would add to. Okay, one last one, because you're controversial, Charlie. I'm not controversial, and just try got, to be sensible. Yeah, program. and we've got a lot of young, um, you know, enthusiastic investors watching this program, including Andre, our producer, who's... <laughs> invested in Ethereum, has made money to, to date, oh. but Bitcoin, you got, everyone asks you about Bitcoin, you didn't oppose, I said, Charlie, are you in the Bitcoin? What just, do you say? I, well, no, I don't own any Bitcoin, much to my annoyance, but okay. look, it's just not my area of expertise. Yeah, I think when equity guys start going off into crypto land thinking they're an expert, that's yeah. just a stretch too far. You know, I think I can have a view on equities and sectors and things that, hmm. you know, I want to be invested in or not, but I think... It's just a stretch too far. But no, I don't need any, but that's only because I just didn't understand yeah, it. Me and too. Pete, if you don't understand it, don't invest in it. Charlie Aitken. Charlie, what's the name of your fund? AIM Global High Conviction Fund. Exactly Thank right. You. Charlie Aitken. Well, joining me now is Paul Rickard from the Switzer Report, and he wants to talk about the banks, and the banks have been doing very well. But before we do, let's get his take on tech stocks. Paul has invested in tech stocks, is losing money, and he doesn't like losing money, do you, Paul? Well, look, I uh, haven't on a couple of them, Peter. I mean, uh, I think I think there's companies happening in tech stocks. First of all, in the US, the majors look good, all right? The yeah. major tech stocks are okay. Uh, and they're bouncing back, right? In the Australian market. You mean like the FANG type stocks? Well, I, as I, mean, I mean the, the ones that have real businesses. I yeah. mean, uh, Microsoft, sure. Apple, yeah. um, Amazon. Look, they're okay, right? Yeah. I mean, I think they're, they're, they're doing all right. Um, in the Australian market, uh, we're a bit of a mix because Xero uh, is doing okay, it's holding up, but uh, some of the other ones that were our sort of so called leaders are still mm. under pressure. Yeah. And do they look like that in a market that's up uh, almost 100 points? We've got uh, all the money's gone into banks and miners. Yeah. Uh, Which and, and we seems like. To coming out of, out of tech. So yeah. I think there's still maybe some challenges there, um, but the good ones will survive, but mm. the ones that have, you know, I think people are having trouble to understand their revenue models yeah. uh, are going to do it tough. But Paul, you know, in front of you and the, and, and the, um, the, the audience can't see it, but I've got three charts there, one of Afterpay, Tesla and ARK ETF, mm. and they've all come off the boil. But look at Afterpay, it was something like a $30 stock before the coronavirus, yeah. it crashed down to 11 and now it's just gone to 150 and now it's down to like 96 or something. It's kind of like... It went too high anyway, didn't it? Yeah, and look, as you say, it was an eight dollar ninety stock in uh, in March last year. So, yeah. uh, you know, it getting it back to seventy dollars, I think I called it a sell at seventy, Peter, and then eight humble pies it went to one hundred and fifty. <laughs> yeah, I'd still say, you know, it, it could yeah, go seventy. Lot lower, yeah, it could. But be. It, it does have a fundamental business. Yeah. Uh, it is the market leader, and uh, you know, it, I think what you keep saying, it is in 
the category is getting bigger. Yeah. Uh, the problem with Afterpay, I guess they have to an extent, is they've got to keep raising money because mm. they're lenders. Yeah. And, and that's where the potential the challenge could come, and that's why I think uh, with announcements from um, some of the other marketplaces, but people like um, PayPal and others, yeah. that's what that's what the market is worried about. Yeah. In other words, so many people in this space. What will happen is that the that the average margin that a merchant pays to use Afterpay of about four and a half to five percent. That'll get crunched yeah. as, as competition heats up. Yeah. And that's what the market, I think, is worrying about by the, yeah. the presence of such big players like um, like PayPal and others yeah. in the market. And it seems to me, Paul, what, look, personally, I've got exposure to tech stocks. That's really small exposure in my portfolio. It's the speculative or satellite part of my... my but I'm, I'm waiting for... Like for example, Newix. Just take a moment, like Newix. Yep. You and I yep. both bought in. We yep. lost a bit of money, but I'm going to wait for it just to show a little bit of an upside. Maybe some good news. Then I'll buy some more. Yeah, look, I think you'd have to be patient. I mean, I think the word to tech CEOs: don't go into conferences. You've got nothing to say. So, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. And the whole thing will last a little leg down what happens due to you know turning up at a conference and basically saying nothing, and, and the market obviously asking the question: Well, <laughs> why did he reconfirm guidance? Right? There's so somebody else shut my dumb don't, mouth. <laughs> don't go to a conference unless you need to. All right. Yeah, so, exactly uh, right. I mean, the CEO hopefully will take that message on board. Yeah. Um, now, Paul, banks. but banks. Right? Yeah. That's the we talked about the stuff that's suffering. But banks and like you and I thought they'd go high, but they're on high even more well, than we thought. I, I dug up an article I wrote less than about eight months ago, Peter. Uh, this was last October, and I said, could the banks get back to twenty-five dollars? <laughs> right? And I said, yeah, maybe about twelve said, months. At the, at the time, they were sort of they couldn't break through twenty. They were working between about seventeen and eighteen dollars. Yep. Could they get back to twenty-five dollars? I said, maybe by the end of financial year twenty-one. Hmm. That's still twelve months away, right? Uh, and, and, and could CBA get back to $85? I said, maybe by the same time. Mm. Could they get back to $30? Well, maybe that would take some years. Well, we're sitting on CBA at almost an all-time high of $95. Uh, well, I didn't say 90, you, you laughed at me, Paul. But you yeah, because no, I, 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 I did laugh. I can, I can be a bit excessive at times. But uh, it's all under the banks, all under the miners because of iron ore going through crazy. Interesting about the banks for me, Peter, is there's just two categories. It's CBA and the other three. Yeah. I don't really think there's that much difference between ANZ, NAB and Westpac. The market likes to rotate between the three. Mm. For some reason, uh, you know, up until last week, every analyst loved ANZ. Mm. The ANZ report was okay, hey. but they punished it badly. Hey. They, they, they didn't like Westpac, but Westpac was, because it committed to a cost target by FY24, <laughs> three years out, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Big target, but oh yeah, they love now love Westpac, yeah. and NAB sort of didn't get much attention. I actually think the way to play it is you buy the, buy the, the, the worst, worst bank. and the best. Uh, for me, that has been Westpac and CBA, but I'm now switching, I think, back into NAB. Mm. The NAB-Westpac spread, uh, in price terms, was out to about $3.50 about two months ago. It's into $0.60. Cents. Yeah. And I said at the time, buy NAB, sell Westpac. Sorry, buy Westpac, sell NAB. I think you almost go the other way around because there's really, they, they, until each of these banks invests in their core back-end technology mm. and their front-end and does all the work that CBA did almost a decade ago, they're going to make it. It's hard work. Well, one last one, Paul. And you, know, you just can't digitise the front end if the back end doesn't change, but right? It's like it's all smoke and mirror stuff. So, they're, look, they're not that bad, but yeah. I just think they've got a lot of work to do. I think NAB was probably the most honest report. This is going to take a number of years. But I'm going to pose just one interesting question before we go. Yeah, you're talking about the big four banks. The bank that's really killing them is Macquarie, isn't it? They're getting wealth management. They've got the overseas yeah. stuff. They could be a $200 bank, you know. Yeah. 
And it's been one of the, look, Macquarie, um, I guess, has been probably one of the best performers in the last 12 months. Yeah. Uh, and pretty much, not too much downside. I mean, we had, a, obviously, it came off in the in the COVID crash. Yeah, everyone did. But it's pretty much been on a steady rise since then. I think probably you're right, Pete, it's almost outperformed the other three. Mm, yeah. And uh, look, you can't go wrong at the moment, only Macquarie shares. It hasn't done much since it reported last yeah. week. Its profit on uh, on Friday was okay. Mm. The market didn't do much, mm. but uh, you know, you have to say that Macquarie's looking, looking pretty attractive. And, and they are out there stealing all the financial planning clients. It used to be at banks and AMP. And yeah, they're, they're really. Yeah, I, I worry about Macquarie getting back into retail banking, Peter, mm. because it's something of the one thing that Macquarie has attempted. It's not something it has ever done well. No, right? they got they got our mortgages, didn't they? Yeah, and they're now they're getting back, into, back mortgages. into mortgages. Yeah. And you watch the you know mainstream news, and you see Macquarie advertising on the TV, yeah. you know, uh, on the mainstream TV, and you think, gosh, well, is this really a smart move? So I know it's part of a way of de-risking their book. They want it to build the the consumer business up so they have yeah. much less exposure to markets and things they yeah. can't control. But that's never really been a strength and uh, I'm not sure Macquarie quite has the same brand. Maybe it's a story for you to write, Paul. People think it has. So can, can uh, I, I'd rather Macquarie focus on its other activities, but you know, I've been uh, wrong before on Macquarie. Okay, that's Paul Rickard of The Switzer Report. Well, that was Paul Rickard of The Switzer Report and before I go, I just want to implore you to become a subscriber to this wonderful TV show. By being a subscriber, it really is good for us and it can be really good for you. And tell your friends and family, if you want them to be rich, watch Switzer Investing. Thanks for joining us. See you next week.